He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. for me but we are here because of Jesus and I want you to give a resounding applause that the demons can hear make a joyful noise Jesus 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 Amen shall we Father, what an awesome thing it is to be gathered in your presence. Thank you for yet another first fire. This afternoon we pray, O oh Lord, speak to us and speak to us as individuals. Holy Spirit, touch our hearts and change us for good. Deliver us from demonic influences that whisper to us and make the word of God of none effect. I pull down every stronghold and every wall of opposition to the word of God. And I command the word of God to go forth and to accomplish the reason for which it is being sent today. I pray that this word of God and the presence of God will release the Moseses will release the Jeremiah's, will release the John the Baptist, will release all the children that they may go and serve God. Thank you for answered prayer. I open up myself to you unreservedly, Holy Spirit. Fill me and let rivers of living water gush out of me and water everyone here. Thank you for the anointing and the grace to preach your word with confirmation of miracles. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. I would like to welcome you all to First Fire 2017. Amen. Say to the person next to you, you are welcome to First Fire 2017. And as we are in the presence of God, say to the person next to you, and as we are in the presence of God, 
May I beg you not to disturb me during the preaching. But to allow me to give 100% attention to the preaching of God's word. And tell the person, neighbor, you and I will not be the same again. Amen. Well, we want to thank God for another opportunity to be gathered like this in his presence. We want to thank God for this opportunity because things don't just happen by chance. The Bible says the steps of a good man, they are ordered of God. So it's God who has penciled in today, the 29th of April, 2017, and allowed First Fire 2017 to be a reality. Amen. And I'm sure that you know that our theme verse for this event, First Fire, is from Jeremiah 29. And the part of the verse that we stand on is that his word was like fire in my bones. Amen. And the word of God should be like fire. It should consume unwanted things in our lives. And it should also set us on course and on fire for God. Because the world is on fire for so many things. Some boys are on fire for a girl. Some girls are on fire for some boy. Some people are on fire for social media. But we have decided be on fire for Jesus. Amen. So that when I say first, you shout fire. And when we do that, we confess and establish these things in our lives. Amen. First. 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 Upstairs. First. First. First, 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 when I say first, you have to say fire, first, 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 amen. We also want to thank the presiding bishop for this vision. For thinking about us and launching a ministry like this, we thank God for his life. And we pray that wherever he may be, may the hand of God prevail and cover him and fight for him. Amen. I also want to thank all the saved teachers, parents who have made this event possible, and all the pastors. And especially, I want to thank you, little boy, little girl, for being here. Amen. Today is a full day, and if the opening ceremony is anything to go by, then we are in for something very powerful. I enjoyed every bit of the opening ceremony.
And I know that if you were even to compete in Hollywood, even Hollywood cannot stand. And thank you that you are doing it for the kingdom. And I don't want to see you in the presence of God when you are seven and eight, or when you are 15 and 16, or when you become 20 or 21, you tell me that you have seen the light and that these days you don't do such things. May the Lord deliver you from that. So I want to salute all those who took part in the opening ceremony. My, what giftings and what talents. It's a good place to put your hands together to appreciate them. Well, the message that I believe God has put on my heart to share with you at this first fire is, I hate what God hates and I love what God loves. I hate what God hates and I love what God loves. In this world, we all have things that we hate. Some people hate rats, but some people too love rat soup. So sometimes what somebody hates is what somebody else may love. Do you agree with me? And in the same way, there may be things that you love, there may be things the world loves, there may be things that every young person you think loves, but God may hate. And if God hates it, then you and I don't have an option but to also hate the things that God hates. Amen? And love the things that God loves. I know that in this current age, there's the thinking that everything is according to human rights. Like Bishop Oko was saying during the white church camp. And that you should let people be. Everybody should choose what they want to be. So if people want to sleep together, then let it be because that's what they feel like doing. Everybody should do what they feel like doing. If you are a girl, you want to love a girl, you should be allowed because everybody should do what they feel like doing. And it's even happening in our secondary schools. And sometimes... When all your friends say that it is not right to tell on your friend or to tell a pastor that this brother who used to be with us in the choir or is with us in the choir is now into Sakawa or is now into drugs or is now into fornication or is now into lying. You don't have to say it. Because if you say it, you are becoming a snitch. But what does God expect of us? And what are some of the things, Lady Reverend, that God hates? In fact, 
Are there things that God hates? Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20. Isaiah is in the Old Testament. And so, you have to learn the books of the Bible. Like you were taught during Shomkom last year. So that when the books are mentioned, you don't do like you do when you are doing maths. When they mention Pythagoras' theorem. And then you say, what is that? Is it the latest boy's name around? Because you don't know. May that not be the same with the books of the Bible. Amen. Isaiah 5 verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Amen. When the Bible says woe unto you, it's a curse. When the Bible says woe unto you, it means something bad is coming your way. It literally means be thou cursed. So God is saying woe unto you when you call evil good and good evil and then you replace darkness for light and light for darkness and you put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter the bible says when we do that we are cursed lady reverend is it possible that we will call evil good yes sometimes it's lying then you say it's good it's good to lie so you call evil good and then when somebody is being good loving God serving God he said she does something too much it means that war is coming your way turn to the person next to you and say is war coming your way do you call evil good and good evil the bible says woe unto you when you call evil good you change things but the same bible says that in the last days there will be so many signs and one of the other signs is that people will be despisers of good people will despise that which is good so when you are good, you are despised. When, let's say you are even in the university, at least when I was in the university, and then people have boyfriends, not beloveds, but boyfriends. And then the boyfriends come and visit them in Volta Hall. And then when they come and visit them, the boyfriends don't go, they sleep there. And then when you, the child of God, you have a beloved and you don't have your beloved sleeping there, then people say, 
you are some way. You are something. You are too different. You think you are the only one going to heaven. So you are despised for being good. Second Timothy 3 verse 3. It's talking about so many signs of things that will happen in the last days. And it says that people will be, 2 Timothy 3 verse 3, people will be without natural affection. Covenant breakers or truth breakers, that means that when they say something, they don't keep their word. False accusers, incontinent, they can't control themselves. Fierce. And then this is the expression I'm looking for. Despises of those that are good. Despises of those that are good. That is why when you are in school and you want to do the right things, or when you are in school and you have friends who listen to unbeliever music, or you have friends who watch things they shouldn't watch, and then you say, hey, what are you doing? Then they say, get away. Foolish boy, who has called you here? They despise you because you are good. And it is a sign of the last days that men will be despisers of them that are good. Even as a grown-up, I still face that. Because when you are good, people don't like it. Sometimes you don't even speak. But your life alone, people don't like it that you are serving God. People don't like it that you say, but why are we doing this this way? Is that what the word of God says? And then they are not happy. They despise you for being good. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. And that puts darkness for light. Now, how will we know the things that God hates and the things that God loves? We are going to dwell more on the things he hates because we may not know the things that he hates. Amen. But there are things that God hates and God does not like. Now, Lady Reverend, how do we find out what God and what God doesn't like. Exodus chapter 15. When I was in Sunday school, I was taught a song. Let us sing the books of Moses, of Moses, of Moses. Let us sing the books of Moses that tells of the Lord. First Genesis, then Exodus, then Leviticus, no, Deuteronomy, then Leviticus, then Numbers, and the last is Deuteronomy that tells of the Lord. Amen. The things you learn as a child, they stick with you and you don't even know. Look at my age. I still remember my Sunday school songs. And by this song today, I can tell you, turn to Exodus and I know it's the second book in the Old Testament. Amen. Exodus. Are we there? Exodus chapter 15. Those who didn't bring your Bible, you are like a warrior without a sword or a gun. Exodus 15, 26. And said, If thou wilt diligently 
Hearken to the voice of your friend. To the voice of your sister. To the voice of your brother. To the voice of your best friend. To the voice of the internet. To the voice of Instagram. To the voice of Twitter. If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God. And would do that which is right in your friend's sight. Which is right in your sight. Which is right in Lady Reverend's sight. Which is right where? In his sight. In his sight. It is an expression the Bible uses a lot. And this one did what was right in the sight of God. And this one did what was right in the sight of God. And this one did what was right in the sight of God. Why does the Bible say that? Because many things we do may be right in the eyes of the world, but it may not be right in the eyes of God. So in trying to determine what is right, what does God want, what does God hate, we have to look at what is right in the sight of God. Because often, we do what is right in the sight of our friends. Or what is right even if your pastor may tell you something, or a prophet may tell you something, but it may not be right in the sight of God. So that is why we have to know our Bible. As a grown-up woman, people will sometimes come to me Oh, God said we should give you this prophecy. God said we should tell you this word. And if you don't know what God's word says, you can follow anything. Because so many grown-ups also don't know what God's word says. So they just follow anything. But we have to learn to do what is right in the sight of God. Amen, somebody. And will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. What is God's promise? I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Amen. The point I want to make is obeying God. The Bible says in keeping your commandments, there's great reward. So obeying God comes with a lot of benefits and a lot of rewards, some of which we may not even know. But as you keep on following him, then you realize, oh, I did this because of God's word. I did this because I walked in the light. I did this like I told you. I can say, oh, I met Bishop Doug because of God's word. When I decided to forget all my Samway friends in the university and go all out for Jesus, and I lost all my friends, I thought I was obeying God, not knowing he was leading me to some nice husband. <laughs> that I didn't know about. So when God says, if you would do what is right in my sight, and you will hack my commandments and my statutes, I will not put any of the diseases that have come on the Egyptians upon you. And then he says, I am the Lord that healeth thee. So sometimes we sing some songs 
and we think it will automatically happen to us. But if we are not doing what is right in the sight of the Lord, it may not happen to us. So you may sing, I am the Lord that healeth thee. I am the Lord that healeth thee. You can sing it, yes. But if you don't do what is right in his sight, sometimes that verse may not apply to you because there is a before thing that you are supposed to do. So if you will do what is right in the sight of the Lord, then God will bless you. Now the world has so many things. The world says, before you marry, live together because you won't know the character of the person you are marrying. So in order to know the character of the person you are marrying, you must not marry first. You must live with the person first. And then you will see how the person is. Before you marry the person. That is the wisdom of this world. And it is right in the sight of the world. But you as a child of God, you should do what is right, not in the sight of the world, sometimes even not in the sight of the law, but in the sight of our God who has given us his word. Amen, somebody. So, Lady Reverend, are there people who did what was right in the sight of God? Yes, they were. There was a man called Hezekiah, and he did what was right in the sight of God. Second Kings 18. Second Kings 18. Are you there? Second Kings is in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is also part of the Bible. So we must know where it is, okay? After first and second Samuel comes Kings. We have first and second Kings. So second Kings. Reading from verse 1. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. And he did that which was right in the sight of of the Lord, according to all that his father David did. Amen. What did he do? He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves. All these are idols. And this is what Hezekiah did. And break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days, the children of Israel used to burn incense to that serpent. And he called it Nehushtan. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any 
that were before him. For he clave to the Lord. To, when you say clave, it's an old-fashioned, means that he clung to the Lord. He held God firmly and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria, who was an unbeliever king, and served him not. He smote the Philistines, who were God's enemies, even unto Gaza, and the borders thereof, from the tower of the watchmen to the fence city. And it came to pass, in the fourth year, that King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hoshea, that somebody came up against him. Amen. Now, this is an example of somebody the Bible is telling us did what was right in the sight of God. Amen. The Bible says the Lord was with him. Beloved, when you give your life to Christ, the Lord comes to live in you and the Lord is in you. But when you are not born again, the Lord is not with you. Amen. So Hezekiah was somebody who loved and feared God. So the Lord was with him. Two, he prospered wherever he went. He prospered wherever he went. Not because his father was rich. Not because he had everything already. But because he did what was right in the sight of God. He broke the yoke of Assyria. Assyria were unbelievers. And they had put a burden on Israel. And there came Hezekiah and broke all the things pertaining to Assyria. Number four, he conquered the Philistines. He conquered the Philistines. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not, the Bible says. He did all these things because he wanted to do what was right in the sight of God. Now, when you go back to verse 1, it says that this king Hezekiah, his name was, and he imitated David. He imitated David. You see, David was a good man. His father's name was Ahaz. But he didn't follow his father. He followed his spiritual father. Amen. Not his earthly father, because his earthly father, we will read about him, he didn't do what was right in the sight of God. And then he removed the high places. All the places that people worship idols, they worship other things. King Hezekiah came and broke all and removed all. All this was doing what was right in the sight of God. Amen. And then he removed images. The Bible says he broke the serpent. You see, Moses was told by God to make a serpent. The serpent that was biting them in the wilderness. To make a serpent, put it on a pole. And it will signify Jesus being lifted up and having conquered the serpent, uh, the devil. And when they look at it, they will be healed. But instead of looking to God, they made an idol out of this. So when Hezekiah came, he said, no, this is not what God wants. So he broke the brazen serpent that Moses had made with a good reason. 
And then he cut down the groves of all the false gods. The Bible says he trusted in the Lord God of Israel more than the other kings did. All this was right in the sight of God. And then the next point, he clung to the Lord. Some of you, you are working with God, but you are not clinging to him. You are working with him, but it's some loose embrace. And then you, 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 you come near sometimes, and sometimes you are far. But King Hezekiah clung to the Lord. And it is right in the sight of God when you cling to the Lord. And then he, continuing, he continued to follow God. Amen? And then the Bible says he kept God's commandments. So these are all the things that King Hezekiah did. And that is why the Bible says that he did what was right in the sight of God. Now, when you come to 2 Kings 16, are you there? 2 Kings 16. You will see that Verse 1, in the seventh year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, Ahaz, who is mentioned as Hezekiah's father, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty years old was Ahaz when he began to reign. And he reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem. And then what? And did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord his God. And did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord his God. So even though Ahaz was his father, Hezekiah did not follow his father because he knew that his father was not a God-fearing person. In the same way, you may meet somebody, the fact that your father is a king, the fact that the person is a prophet, the fact that the person seems to come to church, does not mean everything the person does is right. Amen? I was reading in the newspaper a school girl in JHS being impregnated by her teacher. And some of you feel that it's the teacher and he's calling me so I should come. I, can, I should go. And whatever the teacher tells me, I must do. But Ahaz, even though it was his father, he did not follow in the footsteps of his father. And the Bible says that Ahaz did not, he did not do what was right in the sight of God. So they were all kings, yes. We may even all be in the church. They were all kings of Israel, yes. Maybe God even appointed them. But it doesn't mean that they all did what was right in the sight of God. So sometimes you are in the church. You are all members of the church. You all come to Y church, J church, I church, whatever. But one of you may do what is right in the sight of God. And the other person may not do what is right in the sight of God. And it doesn't mean you should change to suit the person or the people who do not do what is right in the sight of God. Amen. Say to the person next to you, I hate what God hates. 
And I love what God loves. Hey, Reverend, are there things that God hates? Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. Do you know where Proverbs is? It's after the Psalms. As for Psalms, people love it because it always says nice things. Deliver me, O God. Remember me, O God. Amen? Are we there? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 to 19. 16 to 19. These six things that the Lord hates. Amen? These six things that the Lord hates. And then after saying that, he comes and says, no, seven. Yeah, seven. So it means that God hates some particular seven things. It doesn't mean that <laughs> these are the only things God hates. Because the Bible is littered with other things that God hates. But then it teaches us some of the things that we can use as light that God does not like. Amen. Yea, seven are an abomination to him. That means that seven are a curse to God. Abomination. I mean, God hates them, but abomination is a higher form of hatred. Yes, go to the next verse. A proud look. A proud look. A lying tongue. Number two. Number three. Hands that shed innocent blood. Number four. Next verse. A heart that devises wicked imaginations. Number five. Feet that are swift in running to do bad things. Running to mischief. Next one. A false witness that speaks lies. And number seven, he that sows discord among brethren. Amen. Lady Reverend, what do these things mean? We are going to see what they mean. There are six things that God hates. Haughty eyes. What does it mean to be haughty? It means that you, think you, are, you always think you are better than other people. You always feel you are high and mighty. You feel that there is none like you. You see, when we sing, There is none holy as the Lord. Some of you, we are singing about you. <laughs> because there is none like you. When you come to church, you don't mix with some people because they are not your class. The Bible says the Lord hates that. A proud look. You see, uh, me, I only move with people who go to my school. I don't move with people who don't go to my school. I only move with my tribe. 
I don't move with people who don't come from my area. I only move with people who speak the kind of English I speak. If your English is not quite there, you can't be my friend. I only move with people who have what I have. I cannot move with people who don't have what I have. A proud look. Some of us are also too proud to take advice. Too proud to admit our sins. Too proud to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I'm wrong. Lord, I shouldn't have done it. Mommy, I'm sorry. Daddy, I'm sorry. Lord, I am too two-faced. Lord, I'm a dual Christian. You are too proud to admit your sins. Lord, I'm immoral. Lord, I'm doing things I shouldn't do. When we say, oh, you are doing so, oh, no. It depends on how you see it. It depends on where you are standing. And, and when your parents are telling you, you will be arguing. They have to take you to the OAU, to the UN, before you will give in. A proud look. When you are too proud, you can't serve God. When you are too proud, you can't come during worship and just lie down in His presence and say... Among the gods and among the gods, who is like thee, glorious in holiness. Oh, I feel like kneeling down, but if I kneel down, they would think that I'm not with it. A proud look. I feel like lying down prostrate before God, but the girls are watching. A proud look. I feel like sharing a verse, but I will come off my high horse. A proud look. I know that I must witness, but they will laugh at me. A proud look. Six things the Lord hates. Yea, seven. That's an abomination to him. Amen, somebody. You are too proud for us to say, come. Come and lead worship. Come and do this. Come and mop the floor. Say, why? Why are the cleaners? It's because they don't respect me. They say I should come and mop the floor. Because they don't respect me, they say I should come and clean. Because of the... A proud look is something God hates. And it's an abomination to him. Now some of us too, we don't have anything. But our proud is worse than... Our pride is worse than the people who have something. So it's not that when you have something that you are proud of. Sometimes you don't have anything. But when we call you, hey, you have some attitude and some walkings and some, hey. A proud look is an abomination. If you walk with God, you must be prepared for people to laugh at you. I've been laughed at many times. When I was in high school, SU people were called Sue. Hey, there comes Sue. Hey, that's what Sue people, dear. Even entertainment, they will say that they won't dance to this music. As for Sue people, they... But you know, I was taught in SU that the Bible says we are strangers and pilgrims in this world. I am not a citizen of this world. 
I'm a citizen of heaven. Therefore, if the world does not clap for me, I shouldn't feel ashamed. And I shouldn't feel worried that the world does not believe in me. Jesus said, if the world despised me, they will despise you. But pride will not let you open your mouth and say, you know what you are going through? I think I have somebody I can present to you. His name is Jesus. And if you will turn to him, he can make a difference. You say, when I say, they'll look at me some way. And then I will be lowered in their eyes. So, Lady Reverend, because I'll be lowered in their eyes, I have to maintain my proud look. A proud posture or look does not make you seek help when you need help. You are into things you shouldn't be into. And instead of seeking help, you want the pastors to think you are Sister Spirit and Brother Oja. But it is not so. But pride will not allow you to seek help. And therefore, you lead a life of deception. A proud look is an abomination to God. Amen. I remember being in um, university and then my husband had a fellowship and then at a point he invited me to come to his fellowship. I was, he was not my beloved. And one Sunday he had invited me. I was going to go the next week but the Sunday before I was walking and then I heard some people shouting prayer. I said, hey, what group is that? Then the lady I was walking with said, oh, it's Brother Doug's group. I said, this group is very unpolished. This group likes shouting. Well, what is wrong with the group? Small prayer that they are praying. They are shouting. And also when I look there, there is darkness. And they are in the darkness. They pray. I mean, why? Is that what you need to go to heaven? Then the next week I went to the group. I was a tongue-talking believer. I was born again, all right. But when I was observing them, hey, small prayer they are praying. Some of them are holding their ears. And then the girls had all these veins on their neck. I said, oh, when I look at where I'm coming from, the type of school I went to, you know that... that you know the school, don't you? The type of school I went to and what I'm used to, I can't join this group because they don't look polished to me. Small prayer, they are shouting, they are holding their ears. And also, I was used to prayer, you stand at one place, there was mayhem, they are moving, they are coming. What is that? But underneath it was the spirit of pride. And pride will not let you enter even things of the Holy Spirit. Because you are so statue in your place that, and meanwhile, you don't know anything spiritually too. You don't have the depth. You don't have the exposure. And you are standing there criticizing. The Lord spoke to me and said that if you walk with me, you have to forget about your background, the school you went to, what you are used to, what you know. Because even Jesus, the Bible says about him, who in the days of his flesh 
offered that prayers with strong cries and groanings. So if Jesus is praying with strong cries and groanings, then you are coming and then you are looking at the people and you are sizing them up. If I had stayed there, my experience with God would have been very shallow. So a proud look can stop you from getting into the things of God that you should get to. And it is an abomination to God. Amen, somebody. The Bible says, Paul said in the Bible that I became all things for all men. So if you are a child of God, you must be able to relate to all walks of people. Irrespective of where the person comes from, the person's education background or whatever, you become a servant of all. Jesus said, if you want to be great in my kingdom, learn to be a servant of all. But some of you, even if your friend says, oh, take my book for me. Are you coming to send me? Do you think I'm your servant? A proud look. A proud look. It's an abomination. But if we will let go of our pride, we'll be able to reach more people. We'll be able to show more people the love of Jesus. And we'll be able to tell more people about Jesus. A proud look. Amen. What's the next one? You tell me. A lying tongue. A lying tongue. These days, Christians think it's okay to lie. But Jesus said to the Pharisees, You are of your father the devil, and he is the father of lies. So if the devil is the father of lies, and you also like lying, then whose child are you? The father of lies is giving birth to a child of lies. Then who is your father? The devil. How many people want Satan to be their father? How many of you want Satan to be a lying tongue? You lie so much. Somebody was talking to me about that. He lies like he breathes. How he breathes, that's how he lies. He lies like he breathes. When they ask you, have you done your homework? Yes. Have you finished all? Yes. Conscious and deliberate lies. You lie about everything. You've come to church, you'll be stealing mobile phones, iPad. When they ask you, you say, no, I don't know. And you are sitting in the house of God. God hates a lying tongue. Amen. Your parents have told you, do not be on the phone. You come and then you say, good night, mommy. Good night, daddy. I'm going to bed. And then when you go to bed, they see a light in your room. And when you hear the footsteps, you turn it off. And when they open the door and they ask you, are you asleep? Then you begin to snore. A lying tongue is an abomination to God. And from today, we are going to turn around. Amen, somebody. We are going to hate what God hates. And and love the things that God likes. A lying tongue. Most of the time, lying and stealing go together. Because if you steal, to protect yourself, you have to lie. You lie. Your mother says, this five cities, did you take it? Say, no. 
I've not even seen it. I've not even come near. I didn't even pass by. But you did. You passed by and you even stretched your hand. And what we forget as Christians is that the Bible says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro in all the earth. In all the earth. Another place says the eyes of the Lord are everywhere beholding the good and the bad. And we need to practice the consciousness of the presence of God so that we don't obey God because men can see, but we obey God because our heavenly Father can see and is everywhere. And we don't want to do what he hates, a lying tongue. And you are lying because you are doing things you shouldn't do. You are going to internet sites you have no business going to. And when they ask you, you say, I don't know, I've not even been there. No, 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 I didn't. You are using four-letter words in your conversation with your friends. And yet you live a life of a lie. When you see your parents, then you start to use King James English. Oh, thou, thou goest, give us thee, that thou mayest approach, that thou mayest knoweth and thinketh and whatever. You think you are smart. Smart, quote and unquote. But the Lord hates lying tongues. And I don't think you want to be on the other side of the Lord. I think you want to do what is right in the sight of God. Amen. Hands that shed innocent blood. Hands that shed innocent blood. Sometimes people say, oh, but Lady Reverend, as for me, I don't shed any innocent blood. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, you say, I'm not a murderer. I don't share innocent But the Bible says, anyone that hates his brother is a murderer. How about that one? Hatred. Unforgiveness. I don't talk to this girl. The last time she did this, and then I didn't really like it. So you are in the church, but you don't talk. In fact, since February, you have not spoken. And then you want to say, as for me, I don't shed innocent blood. Murder, pa, is not something I do. But the Bible says, he that hateth his brother is a murderer. And we have to be conscious of that. Some of us come from homes where there's a lot of hatred. Some of us come from homes where we are learning bitterness without knowing. But don't be like Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Be like David, who was also an ancestor of Hezekiah, but not his direct father. And Hezekiah chose to follow David and all that he had done. So you may say, oh, hands that shed innocent blood. I have not shed the blood of anybody. But you are killing people even by your tongue. What you haven't seen, you say you've seen. Some of you, you even criticize the church you are in at this small age that you are. At this tender age that you are. So you are shedding innocent blood. And destroy innocent people. And some of you at this young age are shedding innocent blood by abortion. I wasn't going to say that, but the Spirit of God just dropped me to my spirit. And if you are here like that, the Lord is saying, He hates hands that shed innocent blood. 
It hasn't even come into my periphery or my mind. But the Holy Spirit said I should tell you. It's time to confess your sins and to be delivered from it. So if you are here like that, at the end of the meeting or during the break, see me or anybody, any pastor around, and let us take you through a time of prayer and deliverance. Amen. Hands that shed innocent blood. Next. Hey, the person on my screen, anyway. A heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. A heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. Wicked thoughts and plans. Amen? Some of you, before you go and do the bad things, eh, you plan it. You plan it. I'm going to the girl's house. Her parents will not be there at this time. When I get there, I will call her with a whistle. When I call her with a whistle, she will meet me behind the wall. When she meets me behind the wall, we will go together. And we will go to that dark corner. You have planned. You have planned. A mind that devises wicked imaginations. Another verse says, a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts. Wicked thoughts and plans. You have plans that I will steal this thing that does not belong to me. You have plans that I will sleep with this boy. I have a crash with, on him and I will sleep with him. And you know that he walks on this road. So he actually come and stand there and say, Hey, what are you doing? They say, My mother sent me. Your mother didn't send you. A heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans, plans, plans. You have friends. You are always taking plans, but they are not plans about the kingdom of God. They are not plans about the things of God. They are plans for other things. As we are going, if we go, okay, you will go in first. When you go, and then I'll, some of you are even accomplices to armed robbers. Today, the Lord is speaking to you that minds that manufacture wicked plans, it must change. Amen. Before you do anything, you will think about it. And one of the greatest places of battle is your mind. Your mind will think about things before it is done. And we are greatly influenced by the things we see. And that is why we say, when it comes to your phone, when it comes to the internet, do not open up yourself to demons. Do not open up yourself to pornography. Do not open up yourself to things that are not healthy. Because when they come in, it will become a stronghold in your life. And a stronghold is whatever has a very strong hold on you. is defined as a stronghold. And then as you grow, you may be battling that stronghold. And it will affect all other areas of your life. And so do not allow your mind to manufacture Wicked, you see, when you manufacture something, it means it's a factory. It's a factory. So if you make your mind a factory, and your mind does, doesn't start to think, your mind is influenced by the things it sees. 
Your mind is influenced by the things it hears. Your mind is influenced sometimes even by the things you touch. Or even our five senses. So it's not good. Your, your body should not taste certain things and then it becomes an addiction and a stronghold to you. Minds that devise wicked thoughts and plans, wicked imaginations, is something God hates and something we must run away from. Feet that are swift in running to mischief. Feet that are swift in running to mischief. Mischief is what? Bad things. Every time there's a bad thing, you are in a hurry to go and join. Every time there's a bad thing, you are in a hurry to be part of it. Feet that devise mischief. Run to evil, sorry. Feet that are swift in running to evil. Christianity is not just about coming to church. Christianity, church is good because church is supposed to make us more like Jesus. Church is supposed to teach us, strengthen us, encourage us, and make us more like Jesus. But church is not an association or a club. That your only reason for coming to church is to meet friends. It's good to meet friends. It's nice to meet friends. I also look forward to coming to church to meet friends. But it's not enough to just be part of a church. Christ must be part of you. And when you stand in worship, say, Christ is enough for me. Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. It should be true. It should be true. We don't sing songs just because they are nice. But we sing songs because as Christians, we mean what we are singing. Amen? I want us to have quality Christianity. Because that quality Christianity will also attract the blessing of God. Look at Ezekiah. The Bible says he prospered in whatsoever he did. Some of you are looking for a prosperity prophecy. But just by walking in the word, there comes enduring prosperity in your life. Amen, somebody. <laughs> Feet that are swift in running to evil. What are some of the evil that your feet can, can be swift in walking to? I want to hear from you. Feet that are swift in running to evil. What are some of the evils? That the feet, yes, you. Lying, yes. Feet that are swift, yes. Fornicating, little boy. <laughs> Amen. Yes, you. I can't hear. Lying. Yes. And you? Pardon? Feet. What? Clubbing. Clubbing. Thank you. Your feet will take you to the club, isn't it? And you are swift. In running to mischief. A false witness is the next one. Who breathes out lies and lies even under oath. Oh, what you haven't seen, you say you've seen. And what you've seen, you say, oh, if I talk, I'm la poor, so I will not say it. 
Sometimes in saying it, you save your friend's life. Sometimes in saying it, you save somebody from destruction. So a false witness is not only somebody who says I've seen, but somebody who, when he has also seen, will say I've not seen. Just in the name of friendship. And the Bible says God hates all these things. And the last one is somebody who sows disagreement amongst people. Amen? You go here, you say this. You go here, you say this. Because you want this side to be your friend and this side to be your friend. And you have brought confusion in your classroom in school. And the Bible says, God hates all these things and is not pleased with it. Amen. So what are the seven things that we have learned that God hates? You are going to tell me. The seven things that God hates. The first one is what? A what? A proud look. Very good. And the next one? A lying tongue. Good. And the third one? Pardon? The people at the back, are you part of us? Okay. Hands that shed innocent blood. Good. And then the next one? A heart that devises wicked imaginations. Good. And then the next one? Okay. Feet that are swift in running to mischief. And then the next one? Good. And then the last one? Amen. Now, Lady Reverend, it's God who hates these things. But as for me, I don't know whether I'm supposed to hate these things. Psalm 139. Turn your Bibles. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Are you there? Psalm 139. Are we there? Verse 21. This is King David speaking. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with perfect hatred, and I count them mine enemies. Amen. I want to read a New English Standard Version. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe, loathe is to hate with a very strong hatred, those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. So if we are going to be like David, then we also have to hate what God hates. Amen. Say to the person next to you, do you hate what God hates? Do you love what God loves? 
do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee? And am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? Then he says, I hate them with complete hatred or perfect hatred. Some of you see, you love some of the things. Or your hatred is 50%. Or your hatred is 70%. Or your hatred is 90%. But you must aim to come to the place where David got to. That I hate these things with perfect hatred. And I count them my enemies. Anything God doesn't like, I also don't like. You see, some of you, when you have friends, and your friend is quarreling with somebody, you join to quarrel with the person. The person hasn't done anything. When you see the person, your friend said, don't mind her. You also won't mind her. It's like you are going, you won't mind her. God wants you to be that friend. That the things that he too will not mind that person, you also will not mind those things when they are going on around you. Do not I hate them that you hate. I hate them with perfect hatred. But we embrace them with perfect embrace. We love them with perfect love. We love the world. We love the things that are not of God. We love the way the world thinks. We love the way the world deduces things. And we follow it. But we must come to that place where we hate the things God hates. To be a part of that. Amen. And so they rather called Peter and James and warned them to stop preaching in this name. Beloved, that should show you that when you are praying and you mention the name of Jesus, it's a very powerful thing. And that's why they are calling the people to warn them that they should not, the Bible says that they should not speak at all, at all, in this name again. So many times in your Christian work, Satan would like to make you quiet, don't talk about Jesus. Quiet, don't witness. Quiet, don't do anything that Christians do. So they brought them before something like a court, a religious court. And they said, don't speak in this name again. We are warning you. Otherwise, it will not be good for you. And Peter and James said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to what you are saying or not, you judge. So Peter and James were led by what was right in the sight of God. And not what was right in the sight of these important people in society. You have to learn it in your work with God. You have to accept to be unpopular. You have to accept for your faith's sake to be not liked. You have to accept for, the faith, your, for your faith's sake to be not celebrated sometimes. You won't be the most popular person in your classroom. You won't be the most liked person in, on the soccer field. You won't be the most liked person in your form. But you must ask yourself, is it right to obey God or to obey men? And Peter and James said, whether it is right in the sight of God to obey God or to obey men like you, you judge. They knew the answer. And by telling them that, they had said the answer. So again, they chose what was right in the sight of God. But I want you to know that when you choose what is right in the sight of God, it can come with persecution. 
It can come with not being liked. And it can come with being unpopular. But you must believe God for grace to stand. For that which the world does not applaud. And to say this is not right in the sight of God. Amen. Whether it is right in the sight of God to do this. Acts chapter 8 verse 21. Pastor Danny, when is it break time for them? Pardon? How long have I been going for? Acts 8. Acts 8, verse 21. Are you there? It's talking about a popular story about Ananias and Sapphira. And they brought some offering to Peter. And when they brought the offering, they said, oh, we sold uh, land and then um, this is the money. Is it Acts 8, 21? I think it's Acts 5. Excuse me, I'll check. It's Acts 5, yes. Verse 1, I think. Okay. Go to Acts 5. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. I'm now coming there. Wait for me. <laughs> There was a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira. They were husband and wife. And then they sold their land. And they came to put it at Peter's feet and the apostles' feet. And they said, oh, all the money that we got from the land, we have decided to give it to the Lord. But it was not true. It was not all the money that they had taken from the land. They had kept some for themselves. Their sin was not in keeping some to themselves. But in lying that it was the whole amount. So when God says, I hate a lying tongue, this is a perfect example. Okay? And then verse 3, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Now, some of you will say, but Lady Reverend, the Holy Ghost was not standing there. It was Peter. But whenever you lie, you are not lying to a man. You are lying to the Holy Spirit. And whatever you are doing, you are doing it against the Holy Spirit. So Peter said, why has Satan filled your heart? So before you lie, the stages of a lying tongue is that Satan will fill your heart. When Satan fills your heart, then you, you speak the lie. You see, the plan of the evil is coming. Then you speak the lie out. Peter said, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep part of the price of the land? Verse 4. Whilst it remained unsold, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not still yours? Why have you conceived this thing where? In your hearts. 
that you have lied not unto men, but unto God. You have lied not unto men, but unto God. There's no holiness in Christianity. There's no honesty. There's no truth. But that is not God's plan. And when you keep lying at a point, your cup overflows. So these people felt that they are coming to say, we love the Lord very much and we sold our land and we are bringing everything. But it's not true. The land was 200 cities. You have brought 150. Just say, I want to give the Lord 150. But because you want to impress Peter, you say, oh, we sold all the land, you know, and the Lord really moved and uh, the Lord touched our hands. Oh, my God. And we just decided to release the seed, you know, because God. But it's not true. And then Peter says to them, by the Holy Ghost, God told Peter, not that Peter saw them. It was information from the Holy Ghost. Peter said, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And then the verse, to lie to the Holy Spirit in keeping that which, and the whilst it was, while it remained, why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied to men, that's what I was looking for, but unto God. Children, I want you to always be conscious of Jesus. The name Emmanuel means God is with us. Always know that wherever you are going, whatever you are doing, God is with you. So be careful the way you walk before God. And you may lie to men. But you will not be able to lie unto God. And it shouldn't be so. Amen. So this wanting to please men leads us into many, many, many problems. Turn to the person next to you and say, God hates a lying tongue. <laughs> Do not be like Ananias and Sapphira. Hate what God hates and love what God loves. We are running to the end and then we'll take a break. Revelations chapter 2 verse 6. Revelations chapter 2 verse 6. Revelations is easy because it's the last book in the Bible. You don't have to struggle. God is writing to various churches in the, books of, the book of Revelations. And he says, the church that he was writing, he says, I like so many things about you. The church in Ephesus, to whom Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. You are nice, you are this, you do this, you do this. But there's something else I don't really like. And he says, this is what I have against you. Thou hatest, this is, this is what you have in your favor. That you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Say it after me. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. 
which I also hate. Like the verse in 139, David said, I hate what you hate. With perfect hatred, I counted my enemies. And God is saying to the church, there's something I like about you. And what I like about you is that I don't like the Nicolaitans and the things they do. They are a group of people. And you also hate that. And I'm very excited about that. And I'm giving you marks for the fact that you hate the Nicolaitans. Now, Lady Reverend, who are these Nicolaitans? It is said that they, did, they practiced a lot of immoral doctrines. And they were very impure. They believed in a community of wives. And they believed in committing adultery as part of their worship and fornication. And they liked to eat meat offered to idols. Now, in this, our current generation, some of you will say, but it's the Nicolaitans. I don't have anything to do with it. If they believe in immorality, they believe in fornication, they believe that they should eat things offered to idols, they believe that they should have a number of wives, it's them. It's a choice. They have chosen, I have chosen Christ. I'm fine. But God wants us to also have a stand on issues. And he wants us to have a stand on things that are going on. The modern generation says, well, if a man wants to marry a man, it's not my lookout. They have decided, as for me, I'm born again and I'm a Christian. It's not enough for God. He wants you to hate what he hates. He wants you to hate what the Nicolaitans do. And he wants you to stand with him in hating that thing. So don't say, well, I don't believe in abortion, but if somebody feels you should do it, maybe the circumstances and the whatever. So the person should just go for it. No. I hate what God hates. And God is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he's saying, I love you for this. You hate the Nicolaitans and their deeds. Because I hate it. And so what you hate, Lord, I also hate. Amen. I will continue to hammer on this in spite of our little ones because the world is going crazy. And the world is setting standards for us. Even in our secondary schools. I met a young man last two weeks who had come from one of our secondary schools. And I said, oh, hello, you are coming for Easter break. How is it? How is your school? I said, how is the spiritual temperature in your school? He said, Lady Reverend, nowadays, a lot of people go on the internet and they are beginning to believe in gay things and gay rights. And then he said, even sometimes the Christian executives are now part of it. I hate what God hates. I count it my enemy. And I don't just hate it. I hate it with perfect hatred. Lady Reverend, does it mean you hate the people? I don't hate the people because God loves the sinner. But God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. God loves you too much not to do anything about the way you are. He loves you too much. And so what God hates, we should also hate. Somebody give me an amen. <laughs> Leviticus 18. Leviticus is the third book in the Bible, beginning from Genesis. First Genesis, then Exodus, then Leviticus, then Numbers. So Leviticus. Amen? 
18. Hmm. Lord, strengthen me. Verse 22. What does it say? I will read from the Message Bible. Don't have sex with a man as one does with a woman. That is abhorrent or hateful. 23. Don't have sex with an animal and violate yourself by it. A woman must not have sex with an animal. That is perverse. Amen, somebody. So don't tell me if they feel like and they should choose and if they think it's right. Yes, I'm not going to force them to do what I want. But I'm also not going to say I'm neutral or it's okay or it's normal. God says I abhor it. Abhor is even stronger than hatred. And therefore I hate what God hates and I count it my enemy. Amen, somebody. Amen, somebody. Now, you, you see, when I was young, I read that verse. Thou shalt not sleep with an animal. I said, oh, but God too. What type of verse is this? Why does God talk about such things? Nobody would do such a thing. But I was sitting on an airplane, British Airways to be precise, when I took a newspaper, which is very well known in the UK, called Daily Mail. And when I was reading it, they said, the people in Germany are fighting Angela to legalize marriage to animals. Allow us to change the law so that we can marry animals. Children, if we are left to ourselves as human beings and there is no barrier or no boundary, there's no limit to which we will not go. And we will be worse than dogs. And we will be worse than animals. And it's not that God is just giving us rules because he wants to be strict. But he wants to save us from destruction. The Bible says he sent forth his word to heal us and to deliver us from all our destruction. Because at least speaking, we are destructive. Naturally speaking, can't you see that when you wake up in the morning... You don't have to do anything for your mouth to smell because we smell by nature. We have to thank liver brothers for making pepsodent and for making close-up. And we want to thank Procter and Gamble and Avon and all those people for making deodorant because we don't have anything to smell. We just wake up and we are smelling. The Bible says we were born in sin and in sin my mother conceived me. That's how we are. But God saw our state, and God paid the ultimate price. He sent his son Jesus to deliver us from ourselves. Because left to ourselves, we will destroy ourselves. We will destroy ourselves. And God says, I hate this. I don't like it. And then those of us who are learned, we say, oh, but it's human rights. Everybody has a right. Yes. Everybody has a right, but then don't, don't force your rights on me. In the UK now, they are saying when children are 10 years old, begin to teach them that a woman can marry a woman. Yes, yes. And the Holy Spirit said to me, in every country, the night cometh 
when no one can work. When the night comes, you can't even preach anymore. Nowadays, when you preach in the developed world, you say this verse. They say it's hate speech. And they are throwing pastors into prison. And the Lord said to me prophetically and I heard that warn my children to hate what I hate. And to love what I love. And it doesn't matter whether the SU executive are doing it. It is sin in the sight of God. Period. I'm not the one who writes the Bible. I am not wise enough to know what man can do. Even when I read this verse, I said, oh God, pa, he can go to extremes. God knows the type of people we are. And how fallen we are. And how we can be. And so he wrote his own word for us. So don't tell me not to preach the Bible. It's not Lady Reverend's idea. It's not even Lady Reverend's opinion. But I'm subject to a higher being. And a higher God who knows better than me. And who sent his word to save me from my destruction. And so should you be. You should not be a generation that worships your desires. You should not be a generation that worships how your flesh feels. You should not be a generation that thinks that what you feel is right. No, beloved. The Bible says that we should learn to keep our bodies under. Under. Why? Because your body always wants to come up like a balloon. Paul said, I discipline myself. If Paul says he disciplines himself, then me. I have not met Jesus on the road to Damascus. I have not gone to the third heavens. I have not written more than half of the New Testament. I have not been trained by the Holy Spirit in the Arabian desert like Apostle Paul. And he says he disciplines himself. Then how much more you and I, we have to discipline this flesh and keep it under. And he gave a reason. He gave a reason. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, he gave a reason. He said that, so that after preaching Christ, not during when I'm preaching Christ, though, not before preaching Christ, but so that after preaching Christ, lest I become a castaway. So you may even preach the gospel and still backslide one day. You may even preach the gospel and end up at the wrong place because you didn't discipline your body. Nobody is above the word of God. You may be a pope, you may be a cardinal, you may be a potentate, you may be lady, reverend, athlete. This body is the same. And you have to discipline the body and make it serve you. Lest after preaching Christ. What does lest mean? In case. In case. Paul said, I discipline my body because in case after I've done all these great things, I myself may not make it to heaven. I myself may be cast away by God. There's a possibility. The fact that you are walking with God today does not mean you will always walk with God. So you have to constantly stay close to God and constantly hate what God hates. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's a new season. It's not what I think. It's not what you think. It's not what even Lady Reverend thinks. Is what God thinks. Discipline your body. Let it serve you so that God 
will not cast you away. Amen. Lest after preaching Christ, I myself should be a castaway. You know, some of the things happening in the world convince me about the authenticity of the Bible or the, how true the Bible is. Okay, we are going on to see the things God hates. Revelations chapter 2, reading from 14 to 16. Revelations chapter 2. Revelation is the last book in the Bible. Reading from 14 to 16. Write these verses down. One day you will need it to remind yourself. All right? Write it down. Revelations chapter 2. Are you there? God is writing to the church in Pergamos. And he says, but I have a few things against you. Because you have there in Pergamos certain people that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, and taught them to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, another church with that same problem. Which thing I hate? Which thing I hate? It is said that the doctrine of Balaam and Balak and the Nicolaitans are similar. And God comes to another church and mentions it again. And this time he says that you have tolerated them. The first church, he says that you hate what I hate. The second church, he's saying that you have tolerated all these things. I've allowed them to be around you and with you. I'm not happy. And you know that I hate these things. So sometimes we know that God hates certain things. But we bring them close. We make them a part of us. And we allow them to thrive around us. God says he doesn't like that. And that he wants us to hate the things he hates. Amen, somebody. <laughs> In the book of Revelations, God is just talking about a lot of the things he hates. A lot of the things he doesn't like. But I like what he ends up with in this church. He says in verse 16, Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. God calls us to repent. If you have been neutral about things God hates, fornication, sin around you, things people do. You don't have a stand. You don't have any stand against evil. You just, you are just there. You are indifferent. God says it's not good. You have to repent and begin to hate the things he hates. I believe that this is a good place to take a break. But before then, I want us all to stand to our feet. Stand up, stand up.
Tell the person we are on the war path. We hate what God hates. We count them our enemies. We hate them with perfect hatred. My hatred for the things God does not like is complete hatred. It's not part, partial hatred. So help me, God. Every eye closed. Every head bowed. Paula, can you sing Take My Life for Me? Come up. Paula Heward Mills, are you here? Can you sing Take My Life? Every eye closed and every head bowed. Begin to speak to God. Lord, I repent for being indifferent to certain things that you don't like. I'm not saying go and attack people, but I'm saying that have an opinion that this is wrong. This is not right. Have an opinion. So talk to God and tell him to deliver you from the things he hates. A proud look. Open your mouth and speak. A proud look. A lying tongue. Every eye closed, every head bowed. Jesus, forgive us, cleanse us, Lord, cleanse us, cleanse us with the blood, help us to have an opinion, to hate what you hate, lift up your hands, take my life, tell him, take my life. Oh, sing, tell him, take my life. Consecrate your life to him. All my days I give to thee. Make a bad bush so cold and mama mama maya. Show us how to love you, Lord. Show us how to love you. I don't want to serve without loving you. We don't want to serve without loving you. Jesus take my life once more and mean it with all your heart oh consecrated Lord to thee and all my days I give to thee Yes, Lord.
Hallelujah. Well, let's sing quietly then. Everybody lift up your hands. Say after me, Lord Jesus, this afternoon we repent for doing the things that you hate and loving the things that, and not loving the things that you love. Jesus, wash us with your blood and help us to hate what you hate. And love what you love. Give us strength to stand for you. Give us strength to live for you. Let the power of the Holy Ghost take over. Make us stronger than the things that come against us. In Jesus name. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kanishi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.